It's time for the Brother We Love podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. But, you know, still, he's yakless. Oh. He's the yakless wonder. He is. My God. Good job, Zach Ertz, baby. Love it. Ertzy, babe. Ertzy, babe. Whether it's the fight in Bills, the birds, the fly guys, the process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. God damn it, I love Chase Utley. And John Mita. Terry Williams, do me a favor. For one week, can I not talk about you? All right, all right, all right. What is good, brotherly love podcast peeps? You know it, you love it. And if you don't know, now you know. Joe Donald, John Mita here with you. SoundCloud, iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Beloved Podcast. Another episode of the Brotherly Love Podcast coming to you. And uh, we're pumped to be on the air. We got a special guest tonight. Special guest alert. I need to get a sound effect, Johnny Mita. There it is. Do that again. All right, I'm gonna can that. I'm gonna record I'm gonna I'm gonna copy that. I'm gonna loop it. That's our new special guest alert sound right there. All right. Uh, Joe Torty from ESPN 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia will join us later on. A lot to get to. We'll talk Stanley Cup final. It is set. The Las Vegas Golden Knights and the Washington Capitals. Who would have thunk it? Uh, certainly not me. I predicted both teams would be out in the first round. However, we've got more than that on the Brotherly Love podcast. We are going to talk just a couple minutes about the NFL's new national anthem rule. Uh, the protest rule, if you will, a little bit about the Eagles and the White House, something we touched on just at the very end of our last episode. We also have in store for you little Eagles conversation, Michael Kendricks getting released, etc. So a lot to get to here on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Again, appreciate all the love and support on SoundCloud and iTunes. John Mita, I have a bit of a rant I want to go on when it comes to talking about the Stanley Cup Final. Do not let me forget to get to that because I got a bone to pick with you. However, last night, big day for the Mita household, so to speak. C-16, baby, season ticket holders. Take us through uh, the club-level experience of the Philadelphia Eagles allowing you, Keith Michael Michaels, and Little Mike to get your photos taken with the Lombardi Trophy. Well, let's just say thank God your brother-in-law continues to check his spam email. Really? Controversy? Uh, controversy, just like we didn't find out we won the lottery for our Super Bowl tickets. Oh, yeah. Our photo opportunity for the club level was lost in spam, lost in translation. Wow. Keith finally uncovered it last week. We didn't even get to go with with the uh, the club level crew. You would think our boy Jimmy Jimmy Staskell from C-16, the, you know, the, the Commodore of our section, would have called us an answer. Oh, I sense a little divide. Level. I sense a little club level yeah. divide. <laughs> So, uh, no, but um, Keith cleared it up, talked to the Eagles rep. I don't know why the Eagles rep did not call, especially understanding that we did attend the Super Bowl. He would think that we would want to get our picture taken. But anyway, let me not get into that. But what a great opportunity. They kind of bring you up on this. It's kind of like the suite level right above the 100 level. And uh, they had this great shot, and I'll have to send it to you, Joe. It's a huge wall made up of all the Sports Illustrated covers of any type of Eagle or when the Eagles were talked about. You know, you had Jim McMahon. You had Randall Cunningham. You had Trotter parting on when they finally beat the Falcons and were on their way to the Super It's just tremendous. And I'll have to send you that photo. Yeah, do that. 
what a great opportunity it was to just, you know, take a picture with the long, the most coveted prize. Now, hang on a second. I got to ask the hockey-themed question, the hockey analogy here. Yeah. Are you you allowed, first of all, to touch the Lombardi Trophy? And if so, did you? And it's funny you say that. Absolutely no touching. They had their Tiffany gloves there that they polished it up with, but no. I mean, told her that I brought my Michael Jackson gloves, and they were in my back pocket, <laughs> and she still told me I could not touch the yeah. trophy. But apparently, I don't want to dime Jim out again, but apparently Jim Staskill, he found a way to touch the trophy. Whoa. That might not be good <laughs> karma moving forward. Um, all right, well, that's awesome, man. I'm glad you guys got your – those. hey, again, you frame those things that last a lifetime. Awesome experience for you guys. Great job by the Eagles to – uh, I'm sure yeah. they're not the first team to come up with this concept, but they continue to knock it out of the park from afar. Again, I'm not a season ticket holder. Sometimes you get gripes and all that. I'm sure being there every Sunday, there can be issues. But from afar, they seem to be doing things the right way for their fan base, and that's outstanding. Great move by the organization. You're completely right. Yeah, let's get to it now. The National Football League comes down with their new National Anthem protest rule. Who would have ever thought we'd need a protest rule uh, but again, the kneeling during the anthem, the league was upset. They're losing money. Fans are turned off by it. You know, to each their own from a opinion standpoint here. But the National Football League now saying that you can stay in the locker room if you'd like. If you come out, you're not allowed to kneel. You're not allowed to do a silent protest. You stand there like a good American, I guess. And then there's no issue. Now, should you break any of that code? fines being handed down by the National Football League to the team for which that player represents. Did I miss anything there? And your thoughts on this? No, I mean, you pretty much covered all the bases. I mean, for me, the big problem is, listen, the bottom line is the pockets, the money. Let's face it. This comes down to money. The owners were losing money between TV ratings, sponsorship, the whole mind. The biggest problem with this issue the fact that this wasn't a collective decision with the players. So the owners got together, and this was all, you know, most of these protests and most of this movement was, this is about social injustice in the United States of America. So then where did they come up? You know, you had Malcolm Jenkins, Chris Long, you know, two of of the leaders of the so-called movement by the players, the Players Association. And the big deal is that they just didn't, they just didn't ask the players you know, or just take it to them. Be like, listen, this is something that we're going to consider. How do you feel about it? Right now, you can see this is going to bring on more outrage. Yep. And it's such a delicate and tricky issue. You know, you can see both sides. of it. You see how the owners are like, well, you know, if we're not making money, we can't play the players. And the players, let's face it, no matter what professional sports team you're in, let it be the NFL uh, Major League Baseball, the NBA, like, if you look at it, it's always going to be an increase in money. Players are going to want more money. So I think on their part, they do need to just realize that this is going to affect them, too. And I know that they could say, well, listen, I'm just going to protest and I might sit out. And it's true. This league does not function without the great players. And I get that. But it's just, I think the biggest thing is it's just another mistrust issue between, you know, and then the commissioner comes out. He is such an idiot, by the way. He comes out and says that, you know, all the owners are on board. And then, like, 
after he makes that statement, like Jed York and some of the owners, like Woody Johnson, he's the owner of the Jets. He said, listen, the players come out and then they get fined. He's like, for protesting, he's like, I'll pay their fine. So clearly not all of ownership was on board with this. And I just called strictly a kind of league and ownership decision. But I just felt like this is just a bad, another, they could just handle it better. I just don't understand why they're not handling these things. You know, make the players a part of the process. Like, I mean, I like the, you know, they're like, if you don't want to come out for the anthem, you just stay in the locker room. So they are giving them opportunity not to do it. But if you look at the NBA, apparently it's written in the NBA Players Association that they have to stand for the national anthem. So I I don't know. It's just such a tricky issue. I wonder what type of outrage and uproar this is going to cause. You know, but Joe, you know the one thing that I'm just like so sick of is like watching all these sports channels, let it be ESPN, let it be Fox. Like, I just want my sports again. You know, I'm so tired of all the political influence. Like, stop. Like, I just want to see you cover the sport and cover the play. Like, ugh. Yeah, I hear you, bro. And look, now I wonder if the NFL should be changed to the National Fumble League at this point because they keep fumbling away these opportunities to make things right. All right, they've totally missed the point here. First of all, they're in, they're infringing on First Amendment rights. I don't care about the CBA. I don't care about, well, we control you. You're our employee. You know, we're your employer, so you have to. This isn't a, uh, it, it should not be, should not be some type of, you know, one-man show like it is with Goodell, like a dictatorship. It shouldn't be. But they're, to me infringing on First Amendment rights, all right? Now you're putting the owners in a very awkward position since teams are going to get fined if the protests continue, which is absolutely absurd. They haven't handled this well at all. There's conflicting reports about how it all went down with the voting, like you touched on, whether or not the NFLPA was ever involved. It appears they weren't. I mean, this is just, it's it's crazy. The NFL is missing the point here, all right? And read Malcolm Jenkins of the Eagles, his statement. Read Chris Long's statement, also of the Eagles, of course. They're well-written. They're informative, they're educated professional athletes. Those two guys get it, all right? And basically what they're saying is the NFL is missing the point. This is this is a bigger thing for the players that feel this way. It's not about being a bad American. It's not about not being patriotic. They are trying to raise awareness for social injustice, and this is one way for them to do it. And if you haven't noticed, NFL, it's worked, which is why you need to put a rule like this in place in the first place. Because you're realizing it's hurting your bottom line. You realize it makes the league look bad at times. These players are going to continue to protest. Even if you leave them in the locker room, even if they stay in the locker room, you don't think they're going to find other ways? I mean, really? And the NFL is just making more trouble for itself here. All right? Support the players and stay out of the news. That's what the National Football League should be doing. Donate more money to the inner cities. Take these guys seriously. Hear them out. Help them with their fight, their cause. Doing this just makes it another fresh news cycle. And guess what? Week one, we're going to get the Sunday 1 o'clock kickoff. We're going to get a little graphic. Two minutes into the broadcast, here are the six players that stood back in the dressing room. And now it's going to be talked about again and again and again and again because the National Football League refuses to help the cause to address the real issue here, to support their players, again, as you touched on, Johnny Mita, that make them all the all this money, all these billions of dollars, and until they figure that out, that they've got to work with the players, 
we're just going to go through this never-ending cycle of protests here, protests there, fine here, fine this guy there. It's it's a disaster. And you and you said it beautifully. You just want to you just want your sports. Sports are supposed to be a release from the stress and the emotion, all these things we sometimes life brings you down. You get to go watch a sporting event. Remember after 9/11, the whole world just rallied around having Major League Baseball and those games in New York with the Yankees. They were emotional. They were heartfelt. The tragedies in Houston, etc. Sports can be a release, get you away. And the NFL continues to put itself in a negative news cycle by doing dumb things like this. And I just don't understand. I really don't. They fumbled this one away again. All right. Well, to, I, I, go ahead. Hold on real quick. Just just to touch on. I, I think the owners in the NFL thought like that they could just do whatever they want or pass whatever rule because they, they established that fund where they were going to give $90 million, you know, to help create awareness and you know, try to combat the facts of social injustice. So I think because they did that, they gave that money or they appropriated those funds. I felt like they said, well, right. give the players what they want. Right, exactly. And now we're just going to do whatever right. the hell we want. They're like, oh, that's a point for us. Okay, back to business as usual. And the players are like, no, we don't just want the money. All these players have the money. Chris Long donated his entire salary to educational research and efforts, right? It's not about the money to these guys. Malcolm Jenkins doesn't care about his paycheck. He doesn't care about the NFL donating money. He wants real support. And these white bureaucratic owners, they don't get it. And the National Football League being run by Roger Goodell, they just don't get it. And it's not going to get any better until they start to figure it out. All right, uh, White House visit. You wanted to touch on it. You brought up the end of the last episode. I shot you down, told you to watch House of Cards. Now the Eagles have been formally invited. What do you think plays out next? Well, and you know, some of the players have come out recently. Brandon Graham, who said that, you know, he wasn't going to visit the White House. He got a pretty sick hate mail. Uh, some guy wrote him a letter and called him and all his A-hole teammates. Make sure you show your A-hole teammates, you know, what I think you. I used to respect you, but because you're not going. And listen, I, I, I get it. If some guys don't want to go, like I said before, I think Carson put it beautifully. It's not about anything. It's just a cool way to kind of commemorate what you what you achieved as a team. And that's kind of how I look at it. And my personal view, like, there's plenty of presidents that I didn't really care for too much. But if I won that with my teammates, I would still go. I'm sorry. I would just go. I would get my picture on the lawn and, and be done with it. But also I have to understand, too, is, you know, there's a hockey player that, that did this that kind of got brushed under the mat. And, Tim Thomas, when the Boston Bruins won the Stanley Cup, he was the goaltender, and he said, listen, I'm not going to the damn White House. You know, that was people kind of view that as, like, racist because Barack Obama was the president, and, you know, that didn't get talked about. So it's a sticky situation. Listen, if you want to go, it's a great honor. Go. If not, you know, people are going to do what they want to do. It's just one of those things. All right, good stuff. When we come back here on the Brotherly Love Podcast, we'll chat with Joe Torty. He of 97.5 The Fanatic, Philadelphia Soul play-by-play man, also helps out the Flyers Radio Network, University of Penn Athletics. He's all over the place uh, in a good way from his sports background and his, his career path. We'll chat with him. We'll ask him about the potential Nick Foles trade rumors and whether or not uh, he would have made the move, the second-round pick that was reportedly offered for Foles from the Cleveland Browns. Also talk with him about, uh, again, his vast variety of work in the sports broadcasting business. Joe Torty joins us next. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Stay right with us here on SoundCloud and iTunes.
Welcome back on the Brotherly Love Podcast here on SoundCloud and iTunes. Joe O'Donnell and John Mita here with you. We will uh, continue our Eagles conversation in a couple of minutes. Also talk a little bit about the Stanley Cup final now that that matchup is set up. Uh, is set, excuse me, at the Las Vegas Golden Knights set to host game one Monday against the Washington Capitals. So a lot more to get into here on this episode. Follow us on Twitter at BelovePodcast. In the meantime, joined by a special guest, Joe Torty, on the line with us. He uh, I would say a plethora of responsibilities right now in the broadcast world, my friend. Thanks for joining us, and uh, it's nice to have you on the program. Joe and John, thanks so much for having me. I, I caught a couple of episodes of your podcast, doing my homework ahead of time here. You guys do great work. So this is my treat. Oh, appreciate that. Adding to our clicks. Um, <laughs> so, so, Joe, let's let's start with the news that I saw on Twitter today, which is why I reached out to you, uh, and a little bit more of a full-time responsibility for you at 97.5 The Fanatic. So congrats on that. Tell us about the new gig. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, they uh, asked me, management reached out and asked me uh, if I was interested in, you know, locking down something a little bit more permanent, a little bit more steady. Uh, I said, obviously, yeah, it's an awesome opportunity. So I will be on Monday through Friday from 9 p.m. until midnight. So I'm really looking forward to getting that rolling. I know you've kind of been dialed into the Philly market, but one of the big things going around or the rumor that came out the other day was, you know, Nick Foles was up for grabs there was a possibility that they could trade him for the 35th overall pick in the draft. Is that something that you would consider? Or are you more like in my camp where I wouldn't even touch that? It's a good question, John. I really, like, I've been thinking about this a lot since it came out. And any time that you hear something like this come out, whether it's a trade that may happen or a failed trade that didn't happen, I always wonder, like, how it came out. And that answer is almost always, like, who benefits from that? So when I think about it, that is, you know, either Nick Foles' camp saying that, hey, this guy's so valuable that, you know, a second-round pick wasn't good enough, or, you know, Cleveland's looking and saying, hey, Hugh Jackson doesn't feel great about Tyrod Taylor or Baker Mayfield starting week one. You know, so I'm trying to track that down first. And And second of all, if it's me personally, would I do it was the question. I am actually of the camp that, Carson Wentz might not be full go right away, you know, week one or week two. I think it's an incredible insurance policy to have Nick Foles. If you're in the repeating business, it makes sense to me to have a guy who's already proven that he can step up. I'm not saying that the second-round pick wouldn't be worth considering, but if it were me, I don't think I'd ultimately be able to pull that trigger. Joe Torty from 97.5 The Fanatic joins us. Also the play-by-play man for the Philadelphia Soul. Uh, How chaotic is Arena League (laughs) play-by-play? It is fast. I, I, I was thinking I got a sample and, and the opportunity to do NBA D-League play-by-play for the first time, or I guess it's the G-League now, but when I was doing it, it was D-League. I was thinking, wow, this is a lot faster than college, college basketball. But when you think about indoor football and trying to set formations and stuff like that, when they're just trying to go a million miles an hour, it, it must be what it's like calling Oregon games constantly yeah. all the time. But I love it. The energy is amazing. And uh, the soul has been pretty good recently, so that's been a treat. I've noticed you've got a, a new book out for young sportscasters. Share with us about that. Yeah, sure. Um, it's on Amazon. It's uh, six and a half things that they don't teach you in school, getting started in sports broadcasting. Uh, and I just thought it was important. Uh, I went to a, a broadcasting factory at Fordham University, and there's all kinds of tremendous guys who have come through the radio station and in particular in New York City who have made a mark and you know I just realized that there's a lot of stuff that it took me a long time to learn 
even after school. You know, I, there are things that I learned literally in the last three or four years that have really helped my career take off. And it's things that I feel like a lot of people, if they had known earlier, they can kind of lessen the learning curve and accelerate things in their careers. So I, I tried to highlight a couple things. And, you know, it's a really quick read. You'll have it done in like half an hour. And it, it I think I've been told that it's information and advice that, if people had known it 10 years ago, who knows where they'd be right now. So it's just a, a couple little things that they don't teach you in school, things that you learn out here once you get out here. I mean, Joe, I know you do broadcasting as well. I'm sure that there's things that you wish that you could tell your 20-year-old self. So that's kind of why I wrote the book. Oh, my gosh. My, my demo tape back in the day, if I ever come across one, I'm smashing with a hammer. So, yeah, I'm with you 100%. <laughs> yeah, we got to burn those. Bury them, whatever it is. Make sure those never see the light of day. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Joe, I know that's going to seem like an out-of-box question, but who would you say that your favorite athlete is all time? Uh, do you mean on the field or off the field? Uh, I like how you answer that, just because, like, I'm the type of person that likes athletes that, that basically do both of those. But uh, give me both. Give me both, then. Sure. Um, if it's pure on-field performance, I don't think that we are likely to see anything quite like Bo Jackson ever again. I mean, just in terms of what he could do in two different sports, being a physical specimen. The, the story behind what it took him to get to the NFL and everything else is just unbelievable. I love Bo Jackson. But if you bring in the off-the-field stuff, and it actually, you know, he's a fine on-the-field player as well, Hall of Famer. Uh, one of the earliest athletes that I had the pleasure of covering when I was in college was LaDainian Tomlinson. And you just talk about somebody who always was buttoned up, dressed to the nines, accommodating with the media, great guy in the community. And not only that, even though he was with the Jets at the time, he was on the tail end of his career still. I mean, you could tell an unbelievable level of talent. Those are two of the guys that I think that I would watch any single time that like a football life is on or any of their old games. I'd be locked into those guys. Well, I love it. I'm actually wearing a pair of Bo Jacksons right now as we speak. <laughs> one, of my oh, favorite shoes of all, one of my favorite shoes of all time. That's great. That's tremendous. All right, Joe, so – We've been all over the map here with you, but I figured given your skill set and your resume, uh, it was probably only appropriate to do that. You work with the Flyers, University of Penn, uh, the soul we touched on, the Fanatic. I mean, you've been all over the map, but I want to go hockey here with you for a quick second. The cup final is set. It kicks off Memorial Day. Uh, You've got the Vegas Golden Knights, the expansion team, who would have thunk it, and the Washington Capitals as Alex Ovechkin finally gets to play in his first Stanley Cup final, the gray-bearded Ovechkin. Who are you taking and why? See, I have been made a fool by picking against Vegas for a long time. And now conventional wisdom screams that you should be taking the Capitals because of all of It's over a decade now of Ovechkin you know, getting close, getting close, and not getting the opportunity, especially with the exclamation point that he put on the win uh, over Tampa, you know, getting it started right away in like the first minute. But I'm telling you what, there's something about the story of these Las Vegas Golden Knights that reminds me actually of like two years ago with the Pittsburgh Penguins when they were literally out of it by December. And eventually that team comes around, rounds into form, and is just clicking on all cylinders by playoff time. There's something to the nobody believes in us. It's a whole group of guys that literally were not wanted badly enough by their current teams to stay with them. I'm telling you, there's something going on in Vegas. So I'm going to say nights in six. I could totally see it going the other way. But Vegas has just made me look stupid for a long time picking against them, so I'm done with it. What is your take? Have you given up on Martel Fultz? 
because I know this is like a huge debate, and I know a lot of people. I mean, for me, I, I just—he's so young. I'm not giving up on him. I think the kid has tremendous work ethic. I think if he gets his between the ears straight, I, I think he's going to be just fine, and I think he's going to be a heavy force next year. But so many people have, you know, kind of given the story of, you know, what do the Sixers do in this upcoming draft due to the fact that, you know, with the uncertainty of what Markel Fultz is going to bring you. Well, John, you know, recency bias is so strong, right? So you see Mark going to the Sixers' playoff run past a couple of minutes in the Miami series. Jason Tatum doing what he did against the Sixers. It's easy to throw your hands up and say, bust, 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 and Michelangelo's an idiot, and this trade is highway robbery, and Danny Ainge strikes again, and all this other stuff. It's just, it's too early for me. Like, I, I am so surprised that we forgot the lesson that Nelson Aguilar taught us this year. I mean, if people were ready to run Nelson Aguilar out of town, this guy can't play, he's got the yips, he's not strong mentally, whatever, and eventually he turned into probably the most important receiving weapon on the Eagles outside of Sacker. I mean, when you look at what Markel Fultz can bring versus what the Sixers need, it's a hand-in-glove fit if you give the guy time to get right, get healthy, whatever it is that's going to take him getting out there. So I am certainly not giving up on Markel Fultz. I'm just saying, I know that it's a completely different set of circumstances. If somebody made a determination about me when I was 19 years old and my future in the business might be and everything else, it would be a completely different story, I think, here today. So, I mean, give the kid a chance. He showed what he can do in summer league. It doesn't look like he's a full-on bust. It's hard for me to write him off if he hasn't gotten to show what he can do yet. Great point. Joe, uh, before we let you go, one-word answer. And I appreciate you again letting us run the gamut here question-wise. Um, but the next Philadelphia sports team to win a title, who is it? Oh, great question. Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> next Philadelphia sports team, okay, you said one word. I will say it is the Sixers. All right, we love it. Trust the process. Joe Torty, 97.5 <laughs> The Fanatic, University of Penn, Philadelphia Soul, the Flyers, you name it, he's doing it all. We uh, look forward to seeing how your career continues to progress. We appreciate your help on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes tonight on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Absolutely. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Again, our thanks to Joe Torty for joining us. Boy, Johnny Mita, this, uh, I don't want to say up and comer. I don't know that much about him, but certainly seems like he's on the right path to uh, having a much bigger presence on the national stage broadcasting-wise. Real knowledgeable, well-spoken. Seems like a great kid, and um, look forward to watching kind of how his career blossoms, especially in the city of brotherly love. Yeah, well, he's also given the opportunity to work with Devon Givens, who I true admiration for. I think he's, you know, one of the best, young up-and-coming, you know, sports personalities in Philadelphia. So I think those guys are going to do a great job. And can't thank Joe enough for taking the time to be on the Brother Love podcast because, you know, every time we seem to have some good guests on the show, people seem to want to listen more. So. Yeah. yeah, it was great uh, having them on. All right, another quick timeout when we return on the Brotherly Love podcast. We will uh... – Talk about the Stanley Cup final, as alluded to earlier, and then some more Eagles conversation as well. Michael Kendricks released. Johnny Mita, time to replace that 95, that Michael Kendricks jersey. That's next on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Final segment on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud. And the Twooper, always be twooping. Twitter, at Podcast. Joe Donald John Mita here with you. 
Again, our thanks to Joe Torty. And uh, all right, some hockey talk in a moment. But first, we got to dive back into the birds. You, you and I earlier this week, dude, were like, "All right, man, let's let's mix it up a little bit here. Let's go a little, uh, let's go a little national talk. Let's uh, get into LeBron and Michael Jordan debate. Let's talk a little. We, we're going to do a little bracket of broadcasters, kind of like a field of sixteen. I came up with the names the other night, and then all this news broke with the Eagles, and we're like, oh. Well, back to talking birds. Michael Kendricks released OTA started. Carson Wentz throwing the rock around, looking pretty good, coming off knee surgery uh, in, in December there. The Nick Foles trade rumor. I mean, where do you want to start, John? I mean, to take any of those topics and run with it, my friend. Well, then you got Michael Bennett and Darren Foles. They weren't participating at OTA, so there was apparently Michael Bennett owns a house in Hawaii. When Schwerfe was uh, his property was getting infested by the lava of the volcano out there, but uh, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, we literally thought we'd have nothing to talk about. And another guy, that, let's talk about Michael Kendrick. Yeah, at least I think that uh, that's a good place to start. He's released. You know, he had a pretty big cap hit this year. Michael Kendrick's played pretty well down the stretch. Uh, early on, he wasn't really given the time because. Hicks was starting, and then once Hicks went down with the injury, Kendricks really, really proved himself. Um, so the other crazy shocking thing is the Eagles brought in another linebacker for depth purposes. His name is Paul Warlow out of your alma mater, Joe, and you didn't even know who the hell he was. I didn't know. I didn't know he was an ass-kicking <laughs> chick and a fighting blue hen. What did they always. sign him on? The scrap out of the scrap heap uh, in February. Uh, yeah, one year deal. Yeah, one year deal. Flyer. Yeah, how's that working out? One year deal. Is, is he toast, or you think he can come back? No, still... no, nah, it's torn ACL. He is toast. So there you go. So they and then they release Kendrick. So now, what I thought might be a position of weakness is linebacker in general. And now you you lose one guy to a torn ACL. You cut Kendrick. And they didn't really address linebacker in the NFL draft. I think, again, we're kind of on some shaky ground. Obviously, Nigel Bradham played extremely well. He got Jordan Hicks coming off that injury. But, again, who's going to play that third linebacker spot? That is going to be a huge question mark. Joe Walker, baby. No gloves, Joe. Yeah, no gloves, Joe Walker. That's him. That's him. Listen, Kendrick's played 30 of 32 games the last two years, all right? And there was, I think, earlier in his career – you know, is he injury plagues? Is he soft? He's always having those soft tissue issues. Not the last two years. 30 of 32 games, pretty darn good. 77 tackles last year. Not a lot of game-changing plays, but factor in what this guy had to be going through. Uh, not starting at times. Rumored to be traded every week. Rumored to be cut because of his cap hit. Uh, he got an overall grade of 86 from Pro Football Focus, which is pretty darn good. One of those analytical uh, football statistical sites. Saves the team, as you touched on, a boatload of cap savings, cap cash, if you will, uh, some relief on the salary cap there by cutting them. Again, I, I'm going to have a hard time bashing guys that help the team win a Super Bowl. That's just, I'm sorry. If I'm getting soft on you, I'm getting soft. But Michael Kendricks, a year ago, two years ago, if you had said ship him out, I might have been on that boat or on board with that sentiment. But now it's like, as you pointed out, I know it saves him some money, but depth now is certainly a concern. Maybe there's a trade during training camp for a veteran linebacker. Maybe you wait to see who gets cut from another team. But linebacker is going to be a position of interest on the Eagles' defense moving forward. Uh, but Godspeed to Michael Kendricks, brother. You got yourself a ring. Thanks for bringing it home. Absolutely. I mean, he was one of my favorite players on the team. 
You know, he's definitely going to be missed. It's just at times it just didn't seem like he was a good fit in Jim Schwartz's just, you know, he was a great blitzer. And I just, you know, they don't like Jim Schwartz is not a guy that likes to bring the house. I mean, he did a little more blitzing this year, yeah. but I just think he's probably better off in a different scheme. But well, we'll see. I mean, they were able to piecemeal the linebacking position together last year once Jordan Hicks went down and they had some other injuries. So, we'll Look, this is a hundred. This now falls 100% on the health of Jordan Hicks. If he plays 16 games to his potential, we won't be talking about Michael Kendricks next February, March, whenever. If Jordan Hicks gets hurt again, it's going to be, oh, snap, what do we do from an Eagles perspective? Yeah, and the other thing is I kind of like Jordan Hicks as an outside linebacker. I'd like to get a big thumper in the middle, but that's just me. Is LeVon Kirkland still alive? Oh God, Levon uh, Kirkland talking to the glove. All right, I got one. I got one question for you on this Nick Foles trade rumors. I'm glad you asked Joe Torty about it last segment. The 35th overall pick allegedly offered up for Foles. Okay, the Eagles then allegedly asked Foles, "Interested, Bubba?" And the Church of Foles politely declined. Now, if we take all this at face value, okay, here's my question for you: Had the Eagles not won the Super Bowl, but that offer was on the table, John Mita? Would management have done the deal, and or would they even have gone to Nick Foles, which they reportedly did? So again, deals on the table, but the Eagles don't hoist the Lombardi Trophy in February. Do the Eagles pull the trigger on the deal, and do they even think about asking basically a backup what he thinks? Well, I mean, the question is, like, are you talking about before they still make the Super Bowl with Foles? Whatever. They, they just, just don't win it. Short. They don't get it done. Something I touched on last podcast. The case in point this year was you need two quarterbacks regardless. Yeah. You hope your starter's going to play all year. But and then the other thing is I'm glad they did go to him. Did you want to go to Cleveland? They blew the draft when they didn't take Saquon Barkley and Bradley Chubb. The 35th overall pick, in my opinion, he was worth a first-round pick, and I would accept nothing less. Now, some people might take the 35th overall selection just as good as a late first-round pick. I get it. But no, and I would say no and no. Even if they didn't, I think you need two, you know, serviceable quarterbacks, you know, and that's something that this proved. And if somebody blew you away, like I'll give you a first and a third, obviously we talked about before, I would definitely ask him, hey, Nick, what is your interest? Just because he was the first person to bring that home to Philadelphia, definitely would have asked for his influence, but nah, not doing that deal. Sorry, Cleveland. Good luck in Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, all right, let's. Uh, anything else on the birds before we switch to the ice? No, nah, I just can't wait to get this season rolling, man. Time to repeat. Let's do it. I love it. All right, Stanley Cup final set kicks off Memorial Day night. If that makes any sense. The Las Vegas Golden Knights and the Washington Capitals squaring off in a best of seven. Now, here's my issue. John Mita, what the hell is wrong with you? You and I were in Las Vegas in August. I was at a sports book. I put money on the Philadelphia Eagles for my dad. Gave him the ticket. Cashed it in. Good bet. I put money on the Edmonton Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. I'd like to wipe my you-know-what with that ticket about now. They didn't even make the playoffs. But they're on the board, most likely, because I know the odds shift every now and then, were the hometown Las Vegas Golden Knights at 500-1, to John Mita. 500 to 1. 
Now, knowing your financial situation, knowing my financial situation, or at least what I think is your financial situation, why the hell didn't we split a $10 bet, a $20 bet, a $50 bet, a $100 bet, John Mita? I hold you accountable. You're the degenerate. You should have known better. We should have at least put a dollar. I should have just put a... I'm mad at myself, too, all right? I'm mad at myself. I should have put a dollar on the Las Vegas Golden Knights at 500 to 1 and walked out laughing, probably losing the ticket in the wind. But you and I should have gotten together and said, you know what? Let's split a $100 bet on the Las Vegas Golden Knights. They're now four wins away from paying out 500 to 1 on that bet. It's so funny you say that. I literally had this discussion in my local watering hole, Rochi Briones, last night. I'm like, my God, I'm out there in August. I made a bet on Saquon Barkley, 501. Yeah, I remember that. Even if I just threw $10. And look at the Eagles lot. You know, again, hate to bring up Jim Stasco one more time on this Brother Love podcast as he wanted to take the Steelers to win the Super Bowl. Oh, what? Uh, 15 what? Oh. oh, yeah. Uh, but anyway. and What kind of but, Eagles fan takes the Steelers to do anything other than, like, literally stink? I'm going to get myself I, I, in I, trouble. Oh, no, I totally hear you, but... I can't believe we Steelers. It. it would have been it, it would have been one of those fun proposition bets that you throw it at the wind, you hook the long shot. It's like betting on like a fifty to one in a horse race, right. you know? You put a yeah. dollar down on a trifecta with the ninety to one horse and you hope it pays oh, out. Believe me. I mean it was right there like in that. front of us, right dude. Now. I hear you. Well, I mean the job's not done yet, Joe. Bro, right. as Joe Torty yeah. told us last segment, nights and six, I, I Honestly, I echo those sentiments, and here's why. Let's jump right into it. I think some people – all right, let me take it from the Capitals' perspective for a moment. I think there's some people writing off the Caps, and in, ca- in case you haven't noticed, Vegas is now the favorite, by the way, to win the Stanley Cup final, which is crazy in its own right. Started the year at 501 odds, now favorite to win the series against the Caps. But for me, the Caps, they showed a lot in Game 6 and 7 against the Lightning. Okay, they took a 2-0 lead against Tampa. They go home. They lose both. Then they lose Game 5 in Tampa. They could have folded. They could have wilted. They came out in Game 6, and they showed some moxie. They beat the snot out of Tampa in Game 6. They were physical. They were fast. They were in their face, and they carried it over into Game 7. Braden Holpe's locked in right now. We have seen the self-proclaimed Holt beast from time to time. When he gets locked in in recent years, he's tough to beat. So you got goaltending on your side if you're a Caps fan. You have the unworldly super talent that is Alex Ovechkin. Now, a little different Alex Ovechkin, not maybe the 60-goal guy we saw, but he's still 45 to 50 goals. He's scoring big goals this playoff run, and with Kuznetsov and Tom Wilson, that is a top line that gives you everything. So, don't underestimate the all-world skill of Ovechkin, the great goaltending of Holtby, and how Washington played in Game 6 and 7, they showed me something. I didn't know they were that complete of a team, I don't think. I didn't think that they would answer the bell the way they did. So I'm not writing off the caps. However, and Joe Torty kind of touched on this last segment, but Las Vegas has, he, he likened it to the Penguins a couple years ago. I don't want to call them out. I would liken it more to the Eagles. Talking about a team of destiny, a team that just has that feel. Despite their expansion team status, they have a lot of experienced players. I mean, James Neal's been in the finals last couple of years, really. Nashville, Pittsburgh. So they have that feel of destiny. They have experience. Home ice in Las Vegas is real, people. Don't discount it. I think the Knights get it done. I think they win it in six. I'm tired of betting against them, just like Joe Torty said. Uh, But again, I I think it's going to be a good series because the Caps showed me something game six and seven against the Lightning. I'm not willing to just say it's a blowout and the Vegas Golden Knights are for sure lifting Lord Stanley's Cup. 
But I think right now they're the favorite for a reason, and I expect them to get it done. It's so funny you say that, Joe, and I hate when we are always right, my friend, because I totally agree with you. I, they do, the, the Vegas, they do have that feel, just like the Eagles. And if you look at them throughout the course of the season, they were so consistent. Yep. You know, they got off to that electric hot start, you know, and just continued on. And then people kept doubting them, doubting them, and they just kept on winning, 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 winning. So, and then you look at, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but, I did have half the Stanley Cup, right? Okay. I took Washington and those Chicago Blackhawks that didn't even sniff the playoffs. But anyway, but, and you look at a team like Washington, their struggles in net. I mean, Holtby, he was in a goalie. I mean, they were pretty much, he was kind of in that goalie controversy where they're shipping them out, playing each guy every other game. Yeah. They, he didn't even start, he didn't even start the first two games of the playoffs against Columbus. Exactly. They played Grubauer. Exactly. And then they bring right. Holpe in down 2 nothing in the series, and he's basically been unbeatable. Exactly. And then you look at the other side. You look at what Flurry's doing. Ugh. I mean, he's Here, that's playing. Okay, real quick. The reason I, I do the not guy, want the Las Vegas Golden Knights to win is because I hate Marc-Andre Flurry. I will always hate him. I don't care if he's got a great smile. I don't care if he's a funny, you know, Frenchman. I, I don't care about any of that. He's a penguin. He always will be a penguin, and I hate his guts. Carry on. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm glad you just stated the obvious for all of us to feel that same way, too. I totally agree, but you can't discredit what this guy is doing in the playoffs. Yep. He's been that, you know, standing on the head, so to speak, cliche goaltender. So I think it's going to be a great series, and I think it'll be a great story for the NHL for a team like Vegas to win it because what an accomplishment that is, okay? The only other team in the NHL to make it to the finals, an expansion team, I think, was the 68 St. Louis Blues. Yeah, so, but that's because was, ha- that whole side of the ledger was all expansion teams. Somebody had to make it. Exactly. But this is this is a true great story. A lot of these guys are cast offs. People's, you know, I don't want this guy. Please take his cap hit for me. Yeah. And uh, it, it's been amazing. Hey, George so. McPhee, the GM, used to be the Capitals GM. That's a great storyline. Kudos to him for the job they've done so far. Four more wins. We'll see who hoists the cup. Uh, I do know two Las Vegas Golden Knights personally, having worked with them at the minor league level, so I'm rooting for them there. And uh, I will say this. I will have a member of the Las Vegas Golden Knights joining this podcast at some point when the playoffs are over. That's why I'm kind of really hoping we could say we had a Stanley Cup champion on. So we'll see. Oh boy, I love it. All right, Benita Applebaum. Oh, one of my favorite. I know, I know, I know you love your tribe. Tribe Call Quest taking us out. Brotherly Love Podcast, Johnny Mita. Love you, brother. Hang in there. You're the man. Thanks, brother. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. Enjoy that guest. Our thanks to Joe Torty, BL Podcast in the house. Another episode complete. Follow us on Twitter at BLove Podcast. And uh, we'll get up at you. Thanks for all the love and support. Until next time, we'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.